power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. So my beloved, for those of you who are joining us for the first time, it's a great blessing for all of us to have all of you with us. And today we're going to have Father Carlos Murad from Virgin Mary's Montreal Church come and join us and speak to us on the second part of a three-part series on spiritual warfare. The whole purpose is for us to be able to dive into a little bit of the desert teaching in regard to how it is that warfare, temptation, sin, the process of how it is that we are warred against. Uh, last week, we had Father Joseph kick us off with the first two of the six steps. Today, Father Carlos will talk to us specifically about coupling and ascent, which are the third and fourth um, steps, if you, were to, if you wish, towards sin or addiction or passion, or I'll let the fathers describe it the way that they want. Uh, so without delaying any further, we'll let Father Carlos go ahead and share his screen and uh, take us off. Thank you, Abuya, for being with us. Thank you, Abuya, for having me. Your blessings, my fathers. Thank you, Abuya. Oops, sorry. I'm supposed to, um, to load it into a, a power, uh, into a presentation first, right? Something like that. Well, in theory, you could just share your screen and whatever you see, will see. So it's whatever you want. It doesn't have okay. to be PowerPoint. Yeah. As long as you're okay with us seeing everything on your screen. <laughs> oh, I get it. Yeah. Do you, does it yep. succeed the title? That's perfect. All right. Thanks, Abba. SNL. I like that. <laughs> That's funny. Sorry, Shady and Lydia. Um, so just a quick uh, recap today, uh, part two will be covering um, coupling and ascent as the steps following the provocation and the disturbance steps that Father Joseph so, so um, uh, the word I'm looking for, forgive me, <laughs> so adequately covered last week, and I wish he was covering the following this week, but nonetheless, that's neither here nor there, coupling and ascent. Um, just put a couple of words before we, um, no pun intended, a couple of words, before we, before, before we continue the steps, before we get into it, um, there's something that's to be said about the word spiritual warfare. We want to we want to properly uh, define the word spiritual because a lot of times what happens is uh, you all you've you've all heard of the of the of the heresy of Gnosticism, right? And when we speak about Gnosticism, you know the word you know Gnostic comes from the word Gnosis in Greek, which means knowledge, and you know we speak about it as this early church heresy. But the thing is, is that you know heresies are not you know they're not limited to a certain time period of the church and the history of the church it's not like oh a heresy appears a council happens that heresy is destroyed and then it's no longer around um heresies are all pervading they're all pervade they're they're very pervasive and what they are is that there are diseases that spread and if you catch that disease you know should be speaking too much in these analogies 
these days, but um, if you catch that disease, it, 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 it perverts the way you think and it hinders your ability to freely worship God in harmony. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a teaching or a thought that darkens the soul so that it's incapable, so that it, it's, so the light of God doesn't shine as much in our soul because of it. And today we want to just cover a little bit of this, you know, of this potentially um, the destructive way of understanding everything we're doing when we're talking about spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare doesn't mean that it, this all is just happening in my head. It doesn't mean that I deal with this by sitting down and, and meditating only and that there is nothing to be done after. You know, it's not a download of information that somehow changes me and that, you know, it solves my issues because now I know that there are these, you know, six stages. I'm now equipped to go out and never fall into sin again. It's not like there's nothing to do afterwards. It's not, it's not like... Uh, if you, if you, if any of you remember the scene from the Matrix where, you know, they they sit Keanu Reeves in a in a in a in a, in a barber chair and you know they plug something in the back of his head and he, now he knows how to do you know I know jujitsu, <laughs> now I know how to go out there and fight and I'll win because, <laughs> you know they just downloaded jujitsu in his head, but the same thing with Trinity in that in that movie where. They download her a helicopter pilot video uh, uh, information you know, program. And so now she knows how to pilot a helicopter. It, it doesn't work that way. We're, we're, we are beings who were created with free will. And that, means, and that means that what we do is real. And it means that it has real repercussions. If we dissect knowledge from action, then knowledge is not true knowledge. If we divorce love from choice and from action and from sacrifice, then love is, you know, it's just a high you feel if you eat you know, large amounts of chocolate. It's just, you know, it's some sort of romantic, you know, memory or an evocation of a romantic ambience. You know, you think of someone, you love them, <laughs> and then you, in real life, you actually hate them. And that's where the disease is. That's where things fall apart. So when we understand spiritual warfare, we're not only understanding it only on an intellectual level, we're not only understanding, although it does, it, it does start there. We don't understand that only you know, in terms of receiving it, meditating on it, and somehow invisibly we appropriate it, and then we become, and that that that, that has any actual effect on us. No, the way, the way we, the way we're, we were created to be was to put into practice the things we know. That is to say, to live it out. And uh, hopefully we'll, we'll be able to, to, to tie that all together by the end of the session. Father, uh, Father Anthony, forgive me. How much time do we have just so I can keep track of myself? Uh, we usually it's 11. 
we usually go for about an hour, Abuna. So, but but to be quite honest, because uh, we're all in lockdown, like feel free to go as long as you want. Like honestly, it's not okay, like we have yeah, anything better. Whoever needs to drop either. off, we'll drop off. So, like, please go for as long as you want. Just make sure that you leave some room for. Make sure that your schedule allows for us to ask some questions at the end. It's very generous of you. You're too kind to me. Thank you. Um, something slashing here. Okay. So, um, probably if we could just recap a little bit of uh, you, you, you know, um, if we just start by recapping a little bit on each one of the stages real quick. Provocation is the, uh, you know, it's, it's the thought being thrown at you, right? Uh, you know, even in, in the Greek, the word is pros voli, right? You know, things are being volleyed at you, you know? Um, and you can't do anything about that. You have zero responsibility when it comes to provocations. Things are going to provoke you, and there's nothing that you can do to, to avoid it. Um, thoughts are going to come your way. Images are going to be seen. Things are going to be said. Actions are going to be taken for or against you. And there is nothing you can do about that. You are not responsible in any way. Responsibility starts to start. <laughs> If, uh, if, if I could, which, you know, maybe you just take a little parenthesis on this, you know, these, these stages are a process. It's very important to keep this in mind. These stages are a process. And either they're a process for our catharsis, purification, right? Um, so that we may harm, more harmoniously be united with God, you know? Uh, uh, or they're a process for our ruin, for our destruction. You know, depending on what we do with it, depending on what we do with the thoughts that come and provoke us, disturbance is is a is a funny is a is a funny word that's chosen. It's it's that um, you know, and some people translate it as a momentary disturbance. You know, from the work of Saint Mark the Ascetic, um, because it reveals something. It reveals that I am now um, troubled by that provocation. Right? In an ideal, perfect setting, no provocation would trouble me. It would be, I would be completely free from it. But because, because there is an in, because I'm not perfect, provocation can disturb me. Right? And the more a provocation disturbs me, the more there is work that needs to be done. There's, the more, the, the more there is, need um, yeah yeah that's what I meant the, the more there's work to be done about that sort of provocation that comes and assails me you know um, has anyone ever heard the, the term trouble with a curve that that ball player has trouble with the curve you know he's very good at hitting straight balls but he's got certain balls that are thrown at him you know, certain pitches that are thrown at him that he has trouble with. So, you know, uh, he can hit a straight very well, but he has trouble with the curve. Well, you know, I could, I could deal very easily with certain kinds of thoughts, you know, because uh, I'm not predisposed already or, you know, whatever reasons there is, we're not going to get into that now. But uh, 
some other thoughts, they disturbed me to, dif to different degrees and some to a much higher degree. That disturbance already reveals that there is something in my soil, something in my, in my makeup that, 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 is, that is susceptible to the provocation, to be provoked by that provocation, you know, not to be too repetitive, um, that it has an effect on me. And it's from that point that responsibility is already beginning to manifest itself. The responsibility towards how I deal with that thought is already showing. As we move on, we move on after disturbance now to coupling, which is what we want to start talking about today. Coupling, in the terms of St. Mark the Aesthetic, is a very scary word. It's a lot less nice than coupling. It's omilia. Omilia means that process of becoming one, right? It's where we get the word, you know, uh, homo usios, of the same, of the one, of the same essence, right? It's omilia, <laughs> you know, this, the, another, another trans, a potential translation for it although it's not the direct translation from the Greek word, but another way to, to see it is the word communion with, intercourse. This is where things become, begin to get a bit scarier, you know? It's already scary that a provocation is disturbing me. It should be already scary, right? That there is someone there that I have to respond to. In, in the analogy that Father Joseph gave last week, Somebody's coming to knock at your door. This bully that's coming to knock at your door. Already the fact that there's a bully there and that that disturbs me is already something that I have to, that I have to put as, you know, um, that I have to flag as something I have to eventually deal with. You know, just the fact that there's a fear there, there's, there's a disturbance that there, there is something that I'm not completely at peace with is already something that needs to be flagged or should ring a, a, an alarm. Even more alarming is that I might find myself okay with accepting that such a dangerous thing enter into my life and that I, and that I have intercourse with it, that I have discussion with it, that I ponder just how much I can do it and if I do do it how much i can get away with or if i could do it without anybody knowing those are the kinds of things that enter into that intercourse into that coupling stage it's a negotiation it's a discussion you know and negotiate with something very evil that's isn't you know if <laughs> uh, you know if you're running a plaza and somebody you know uh, you know some organized crime person comes and tells you, I want to, I want to rent this space in your edifice. You know, <laughs> that's what we're talking about here. You know, we're talking about something very dangerous. Uh, ascent is, is that stage where we, where our will says yes to the evil, to the thought. It's that, it's that point where we, where, there, where it's past negotiation 
and we accept the offer completely. And we say, yes, we're going to do it. Now, something I want to turn your attention to, in moving from disturbance to coupling to ascent, where can you exactly pinpoint where the will was not involved in dealing with the thought? Feel free to feel free to speak, I beg you. You know. At what point do you say, at what point do you say, oh, I, you know, I it was like, you know, this percentage of disturbance, this percentage of coupling, and then you know, obviously it's reached its full fruition in assent or in consent. Have you ever had a thought that you saw coming and it did tempt you and then you negotiated with it five minutes before you gave in? And have you ever had a thought that did come and tempt you and you wrestled with it for two or three days before you gave in? And have you ever had a thought that came and that you wrestled with and that you never gave in to, whether five minutes or three or four days or a week or a month or whatever? And at the end, you just never consented to. In any of these three cases, what was revealed about my will? What was revealed by the fact that it disturbed me, that I did enter into discussion with it, and that I did say yes to it? It reveals that there is already that I'm already predisposed to say yes to evil, whether I said yes or no, doesn't it? It's so hard to do these things when you're not with the person. You just see people watching you when you're not in a room with them, it's difficult. It reveals this, this, this layout, this layout of the six stages reveals to us that a lot of what salvation has to do with has to do with what's going on inside me, inside where the kingdom of God is, inside my heart. The garden of the heart, as you know, so many of the of the fathers write. That Buna, can I ask a quick please. question? Yeah, please, please. Yes, please. Especially if it directs me somewhere, please. You, 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 you said something. You said that we're predisposed. So I, or, or you, at the very least, it shows that there's a predisposition there. Um, oh, sorry. Should, yes. should I understand that in the same way that some people believe in this whole idea of like predeterminism, this whole idea that we're already set up to fail? Like, how am I supposed to understand predisposed? Yes. Thank you so much, Father. Thank you. We do not understand predisposed as I'm already predetermined to do something. We understand predisposed. When I said predisposed, I should have, you know, I, I should have been more accurate. We understand here that there is a willingness inside me that my will has a, has a, can have a tendency towards evil. It can choose evil and that actually sometimes prefers it over doing God's will. 
over God, not doing God's will. Because when we say overdoing God's will, we're, we're, we're setting a distance between us and God. We're setting a false image of what salvation is, which is unity with him. It's basically, you know, it's choosing, it's, it's choosing me as opposed to choosing God. Choosing my selfish caprices, my selfish desires, my selfish uh, uh, desire for, for pleasure, as opposed to, as opposed to choosing him and having him reign in me and becoming like him, being transformed, conformed to his likeness, becoming what he is by grace. Oh. Give me one second. I'm not, I'm not good at following with the chat at the same time. So if I miss anything, I beg you. Um, um, feel free to interrupt. <laughs> you know, not that you're interrupting. So that said, we want to dissect a little bit what, we, what we're talking about. So the great... Right? Great Abba Anthony. When Abba Anthony uh, was going through the process of, of entering the desert, you know, of, of, of what, what was growing in, his, you know, in his, his life with God, he would, you know, when he first started out, he went into the outskirts of the town of where he was. Uh, and and he or the village of where he was and he lived with abbas there monks who were already there these solitaries who were living with you know living with spirit, that, that 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 ascetic life and uh, as he progressed he went outwards more and more and in one of the stages he reaches a tomb right he lives there in a tomb outside the city outside the village and uh, he wrestles with the demons there, and he gets and he gets beat up and left for dead. To make a very long to make a long a longish story short, his friend comes his friend comes and sees him, and they they all you know patch him up and everything. And at a certain point, it writes, and the the, the person who is writing this is is Saint Athanasius, right, Archbishop of Alexandria. It's in the life of Anthony, as you all must have already read. Or if you haven't, I really suggest you do. It's a, it's it's a really delicious read, <laughs> the life of Anthony. Um, he feels the presence of Christ, and he tells him, "Lord, where were you while I was getting mangled?" And he says something very, very telling to him. He says, "I was there all along, Anthony, but I wanted to see you fight. I wanted to see you struggle. I wanted to see how you would struggle." Now, if you, if you put that beside St. Anthony's great, you know, very famous saying, whoever has not experienced temptation cannot enter into the kingdom. Without temptations, no one can be saved. Let's, let's pull that apart a little bit. If I have a boxer or a wrestler 
that I keep giving theory to, which is very important. Very important to teach to teach theory to boxers and wrestlers and even you know swimmers, right? I mean, I, Father Anthony and I grew up with very close friends, brother and sister who were swimmers, and they tell us, you know, they used to teach us Olympic level swimmers, and they they tell us, you know, they used to teach us swimming on the blackboard, you know, how to negotiate the water and what you know. The same thing goes for hot, you know boxing and, and wrestling there's there's theory but what is boxing and wrestling without praxis without stepping into the ring without stepping on the mat without putting into effect what it is your your uh, you're doing we talk about the word salvation I'm mentioning the word salvation because it's the last word that's mentioned in Abba Anthony's quote right there. No one can be saved. We talk about salvation in theory all the time. You know, oh, I was, you know, metaphorically, you know, salvation is I was, I was in this pit and Jesus came along and he pulled me out of the pit and now I'm free, right? It's, it's done. Everything has been done for me. There is no, there, there's, that's it. I can now live my life and Jesus is happy with me. I've received him and that's it. Well, that's not what salvation looks like. Salvation, salvation means becoming like Christ. In our terms, in our, in, in, in our terms today, one of those facets, one of those aspects of what salvation can look like is that provocation affects me the same way it affected Christ. Mm. It's to reach that point where any provocation does not disturb me. And that can only happen if I'm already filled with God. That could only happen when I'm so full of God that nothing really provokes me. Nothing causes fear, nothing causes anger, nothing causes anxiety, nothing. And anything that does cause those things reveals sin. Not sin as in terms of a black mark on your account, not sin as in something you're culpable of. No, sin here as what? As the imperfection, the missing of the mark, the fact that there's still room for growth, you know, where joy enters into the knowledge uh, when, when one gains knowledge of his sin. You know, hey, here's another, here's another part in, inside me that can be filled by God, that God can take over, and where I hopefully, where with hope, I should say, approach God to heal that, which misses the mark. And that's what growth looks like. That's what salvation looks like. You know, you'll remark in the Hebrew language, there's no difference between the word victory and the word salvation, at least in the, in the old, right? To save us means to what? To make us victorious. And in the, in the Arabic, it's still there. For those of you who know Arabic, yonsur had, it doesn't just mean this, you know, it, 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 there's, there's, a double, there's a double definition there of both victory and saving right that you know to restore him to that place where he or she belongs right in uh, accomplishing them you know uh, that uh, accomplishing them what was already his will all this whole time which is that we be like him and that we be with him you know 
whoever has not experienced temptation cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't be victorious if you're not a fighter, and you can't be a fighter if you don't fight. It's that simple. And that's what we mean by action and works, is that you actually get on the mat, it's that you actually jump into the pool, it's that you actually get into the ring. You know, is it unpleasant to have to negotiate the water that's working against you? Is it, is, it, is it uncomfortable to be put into very twisted positions and having to negotiate those? Is it scary to have to dodge and weave attacks that if they land are very painful at you? Yeah, you know, on you, yeah, painful on you. I don't, I don't know what to use as a word there. That are very painful, yeah, yeah. But the joy that's available to us is that we actually can grow in our ability to dodge and weave, to pin, and to get out of being pinned, and to grow, you know, in our ability to 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 speak through water. You know? Abuna. Abuna. Yeah. Can I may I interrupt? This is Anastasia. Hi Anastasia. Hi. So um there you are. Here I am. Um I will preface this by saying uh, this is probably a sin of mine. Uh, just uh, looking for an out and some place to place blame for my struggle. But um, you talk about the theory of salvation and the praxis of salvation and in your sports analogies. Um, oftentimes I feel like I'm there with the theory and even with the praxis, but uh, I'm, I'm like wondering about the coaching and the training because I feel as though I'm reading books about the fight or about wrestling. I'm reading books about the swimming techniques. And then I jump into the ring and I get pummeled and I go back and I read a book and then I get pummeled again. And it's like, I, I, I have my father confession, but you know, I meet with him. What? Like, once a month, once every six weeks, sit and confess and say, hey, I got beat up in the ring. And it's like, okay, so, you know, here's what we do. So I, I just feel like, you know, when I read the fathers and I read some of these saints that they had somebody in their life that was walking them through, you know, in the midst of these things, like when you, 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 you hear Abba Moses, I'm sorry, I'm just rambling, but like you hear Abba Moses, he can't sleep in the middle of the night. These, these thoughts of, you know, temptations are just overwhelming him. He goes to Abba Isador and he says, I can't sleep. And he, you know, takes him out and they sit and they watch the sunrise and, you know, they, they have like in real time, he didn't wait six weeks to go see Abba Isador and say, by the way, a month and a half ago, this happened. And it's like, oh, okay, in the future, do this. I, does any of that make sense? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure it does. So, um, what do I, I don't know, what do I do? Well, um, by economy, I think God, I think we should trust the fact that am I am I so yeah, you're, 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 you're cutting in, out. Your internet's cutting out there slowly. Uh oh. Am I back? Somewhat. Yeah. Okay. 
All right, because everything froze for a little bit. Sorry about that. Uh, cool background, Mina. Uh, I think we need to place trust in God's providence, that he gives each one no more that they can handle and enough to be able to grow, no matter what the circumstance. And I'm talking on the level of a spiritual guide. Uh, I'm talking about what it is that's available to us as tools, right, for the struggle, to be able to advance in the struggle positively, right, to grow in the struggle. And, you know, of course, anthropological, you know, the fact that our will, our, our wills are capable of choosing him, you know, um, you know, the, the, the fathers of the church say that the will is the receptacle of grace. You know, the will, the will is that antenna that by which you can either, you know, receive grace or, or not, or, you know, the opposite. Um, we always have the ability to choose. So that's something that should at least set our minds at ease to a certain degree. We always have the ability to choose. Um, in, in, in terms of moments of confusion and of darkness where we have, you know, where we don't know what we're doing or even worse, where we just are completely submitting and getting pummeled, like you said. Um, one, of the, one, one of the essential works that your spiritual father should be doing with you or that you could, you know, involve your spiritual father in doing with you is to, to, to lay out what your, what, what what actually happens before you get pummeled? What, what's the atmosphere around when you do get pummeled? What does your day-to-day -day look like? You know, this 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 is uh, this is of prime importance because part of warfare is tactics, right? And tactics means to, to to sit down and look at what happens in battle and how it is we're going to approach the battle, and how it is the enemy is going to present something, and why it is that we keep, you know, what it is, what is it that I'm doing that keeps getting me, you know, hit with the, hit with the right hook? What, what, what's going on? You know, is there something in my posture? Is there something in my... And if we can... If, is there something in my footwork, I, I wanted to say? Um, if, if we can dissect what's what's going on then uh then then there's room to slow things down like say like father joseph said last week you know and when you slow things down then you can more quickly then you can then you can more quickly uh, and more aptly make decisions um but that aside, I want to say something here. It's important. It's important to to to, to highlight that if, if you're really going to do this, if you're really, if you're really going to, I don't want to say get into spiritual warfare. If you're really going to take Christ seriously, which is which involves spiritual warfare, that's what it is, right? The life with Christ. Um. I mean, you you have to. If, and you don't feel like you have a spiritual father or you or you don't don't feel like you have a spiritual father you don't have a spiritual father or a spiritual guide you have to cry day and night 
on bended knee, forgot to send you one because you can't do this alone. This is, and if somehow I don't know, I, I don't know any situation in North America where that might be possible, at least to my mind, and I could and I could be very well wrong about that. But but if you can't find one, um, then trust in God's providence, no matter where you are, and 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 ask the questions and seek. Seek, knock, and find. You'll find. There's. I have no doubt that you'll that you'll be left out to you know to drive. You know, something like that. Can Father Anthony, Father Joseph, do you want to chime in on this? I don't know if I have anything much to add, Ibuyo, other than to maybe just you know ask a question because you brought up Saint Anthony, um, and, and Saint Anthony puts himself in a situation where he literally has no one. You know, at the age of 20, he jumps into the wilderness and then they say that he spends anywhere between 10 to 15 years on the outskirts of the city. Some people say even less than that. There's no exact amount. Some people say he only spent like a couple of years on the outskirts of the city in the community with the ascetics. And then he mm -hmm. goes into the catacombs, like you said, uh, and he finds himself all by himself. And the evidence of that is that his first question to the Lord, and there's no reason to believe that he saw the Lord before that. But his first, this is, I think this is what's beautiful about St. Anthony. His first question to the Lord is not, you know, I'm so happy you're here. His first statement is not, I praise you and I bless you. His first question is, where were you? Like, you just let this happen, which is, an, which is a clear indication of the fact that he really did feel that, that loneliness, that isolation that, that I think Anastasia is, is pointing at that many of us feel like I, I and in his case, he, he really did get pummeled, right? Like physically. Um, and he was left for half dead. I question whether or not, I question whether or not that's intentional. I don't like, this is going to sound maybe a little bit messed up, but I'm, I question whether or not part of the growth maybe is to em embrace that. I don't know if, I don't know. I'm, I'm asking, I have no idea. No, 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 I, I think you're, you're spot on. Yeah, I, by the way, if anybody was having any doubt, uh, that's I think that's what was clearly demonstrated in that, in that quote where he says, I was here all along, Anthony, I wanted to see you fight, you know? I, I, you know, part of the process is I'm going to, you know, if I got this rookie fighter with me is I'm going to, the only way he's going to grow is if he, if he first of all gets the beats, right? If he's, would you ever put somebody up in a real like boxing match if they, if they don't know what it feels like to be, you know, jabbed, you know, crisply in the nose, if they don't know how to suck it in, if they don't know how to deal with pain, you know, with, with the suffering of being beat up, you know, sometimes getting pummeled is one of the best things for you because, well, you learn it's sometimes for some people, a certain amount of getting pummeled is actually good because it teaches a person to become totally self-reliant, but be completely dependent God. Am I cutting out? Just a little bit, but we, we, got, little, yeah. we got that it last just give me a, yeah. Your internet is unstable, son. I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> but I'm right behind where the network cables are. So. <laughs> I'm a church. You know, you know, um, what, you know what's funny Abuya, is that there's, there seems to be this trend constantly where God 
God's definition of, of victory is so different than ours, so different than ours, where Anthony needs to get beat up for him to say, now I can show up. The, the, the three young men, he doesn't save them at the door of the furnace. They see him in the fire. Jonah comes to his senses, not right before they throw him in the water, but when he's in the belly of the beast. Um, there, there's, there's something about this, this defeat that is victorious that, that I, don't, I don't understand it. Yeah, and thank you for bringing both. Thank you for bringing um, examples both from after the crucifixion and before the crucifixion in terms of a timeline. Because that's always been God's design for us. He is the lamb who is slain from the foundation mm. of the world. Victory for us is not the statue of Augustus Caesar or of any Caesar. Victory for us is that of the crucified Christ, completely mangled, completely pummeled, completely defeated for love of those who did that to him you know and and the, and, and the image of and the image of the resurrected lord beaming with life you know and light is with 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 piercings in his flesh you know so as to never ever ever separate the one from the other to never ever separate the idea of victory outside of that you know apart from that of the cross, they are one and the same, right? So, what's what's all of this got to do with anything? When I'm provoked, and when I enter into intercourse with a thought that I know is evil, right? And I start, and I find myself thinking about it, and then when I say yes to it. It reveals that I'm, it reveals, it reveals in me that I'm still not, that my love is still not perfect for Christ. That there's still works to do in terms of love in Christ more than this, how this is affecting me. The way we get to that love is by opening ourselves up to it. That love is already available to us at all times. God loves us always at maximum capacity. Well, you know, <laughs> it's 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 a purposeful misspeak, a misspoken term, you know, maximum capacity, because there's no quantity on God's love. God's love is always God's love. You know, there's no changing it. But what is changeable? To me, what is what is subject to change? Not God's love, me, right? And so if I find myself accepting something that's evil, negotiating with it, saying yes to it, being disturbed by it, you know, in reverse order. I, in order, I should say, being disturbed by it, you know, negotiating with it, and then actually saying yes to it, giving in to it, that says that, that says that there, there is something inside me that's, pull, that's, that's, that's pullable by that magnet, that's re, that reacts to it, right? That says, oh, yeah, that would be good. As opposed to the natural state, which should be at complete it. I'm disgusted by it, can't stand it. I say no to it with, without, even, without even reaching a disturbance inside. The way we achieve that is through the ascetical life, plain and simple, through training. That's what it, the ascetical life means, right? 
the verb askol, right, means I train, right? Uh, St. Paul says it at the end, his last word in the, the, in the book of Acts, right? So askesis was the exact term that rest, that, 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 that it became synonymous with the, an ascetic, right? Uh, at a certain point in, 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 in the Greco-Roman world, it meant, it meant a wrestler, a person who trains, because, you know, par, par excellence, you know, what they, what, they, what they do all day long is they train. They train, they keep training. Why? Because they want to instill in them a memory. What does memory mean here? Memory doesn't mean a thought of something only. That's a limited definition of what it means of, you know, where we get, you know, mnemonic, if anybody understands what I'm trying to say here. What, why do we train? To instill in us muscle memory. So we want our muscles to react to certainly something when something happens, right? This person jabs at a boxer, he trains in bobbing and weaving in order to be able to what? To train his muscles to have that natural reflex. Whether you want to believe it or not, you've been conditioned to, to have an open appetite for evil. You've been conditioned, we have been programmed to want evil more and more. That's what creates a program predisposition. That's what it, right? When everybody around me speaks highly of, um, of uh, promiscuity, speaks well of it, you know, uh, uh, when they glorify evil. And I'm tempted to also, you know, dress accordingly, act accordingly, purchase accordingly, work for accordingly, right? But there's a different life in Christ. Christ says for us, sets the example and the arch and the archetype, the prototype, I should say, of of what it means to be completely holy and have nothing to do with what the world and its evil have, you know, uh, to offer us. Asceticism, very, very good priest taught us when we were young, is the opening up of one's heart to God's love. As opposed to opening up one's heart to the world and its evils. By the world here, I mean, you know, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, you know, and all of the passions that ensue from there. And what does this look like? In our day-to-day -day life, it means prayer. It means dragging myself out of my bed in the morning, whether I want to or not. It means saying yes to God, despite my feelings despite what my body is asking for more, you know, what my body, you know, dragging yourself out of bed for prayer. In the words of Father Joseph, making friends with hunger. Setting aside time for scripture and to read scripture prayerfully every day. Giving from what I deem my hard-earned money, you know, to the point of discomfort, you know. All of this comes together and works at what? It works 
at that muscle inside me that is willing to negotiate, that is willing to bend the will and finally say yes to, to evil. What happened to me? What happens to me in the morning when I don't get up for prayer? My body says, oh man, I could really use some more sleep. This is so much more comfortable. What, you know, I really don't feel like praying, right? And so it's me, 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 me. My will, uh, yeah, I give in. And I say yes, and I sleep, fall asleep again. Well, what happened, what happened when the evil presented itself? A lustful thought came to me. Or an envious thought came to me, or an angry thought came to me, or judgmental thought came to me. What happened? The, you know, lust presented itself in, to me in a way where, where it was, yeah, that would be, oh, that is very appealing. Wow, that is, yeah, that's, uh, well, what, mm, where would I have to be to meet that person, where would I, where, where will be, where will people be around if I need to do something like that? Well, is this, is this a thought I should be having? Oh, but it's so delicious. It's the exact same muscle is what I mean to say. It's the exact same working inside us. It's the will. It's the will that's at play. And if I can work, if I can train my will, as he says my will, <laughs> Right? If I could train it to react according to what needs to be done in order for me to love God properly, what does that look like? It's all very basic. You know, you all know this. As I'm about to say this, you all know this already. You know, the first time it's hard. The second time it's a little less hard. The third time, fourth time, fifth time. But that's what training looks like. Unless I actually get out of bed and stand there completely, completely, completely tired, completely unfocused. That's what love, look, that's what love looks like. That, and there's nothing wrong with it. And it's just glorious in God's eyes as it does if, if you never actually slept and spent the whole night in ecstasy, you know, in ecstatic prayer, <laughs> you know, there'd be, there'd be no, there's no difference. God looks at that just as, with as much pleasure as he does, as he does, uh, you know, any high lofty form of prayer, you know, there's no, there's no difference in God's eyes. The problem is, is that we, we associate how we feel, project on the, the, the words of action or how we feel about it based on how, based on the, its psychological effect on us. But that's not reality. That's not reality. It's not because I feel high in prayer that means my prayer is accepted and 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 pure it's not because it's not because 
a boxer boxing ring and gets pummeled the first time he tries to spar, that means he's not on his way to becoming better. It's a process. Just like it's a process to go from provocation to ascent, it's also a process. It's also a reverse process, um, if you will, to, to get to that point where even happen or, or if it does happen and it leads into me coupling with it that I can stop myself halfway and not do it the more I fill myself up with my life with contemplation on scripture the more I'm hungry the more I'm hungry and and praying fasting and prayer you know Let's let's get into this real quickly. So how do I say Mark the ascetic? He says, "We know that we." Uh, so Saint Paul says, you know, in the first in the first couple of verses in in the eighth chapter of Corinthians, he says, "We know that we. We know that we all have knowledge, and that knowledge puffs up, but love edifies." And if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing yet, as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. Here St. Paul contrasts being in the head or being in action with the words knows, knows, head knowledge, and love, which is actually something that's carried out. Right? And St. Mark follows up. St. Mark the ascetic, he follows up and he says, if you love true knowledge, true knowledge, devote yourself to the ascetic life, to the life of, of training. For mere theoretical knowledge puffs a man up. Just staying in the head, all it does is, you know, well, you know, it, it's useless, you know, and it could lead to pride, right? Puffs you up. You just you, 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 you make knowledge the goal, and it just stays there. It does nothing. In fact, it has the verse. Is the, is the, it entwines you with, in, the pride, in, 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 the, in, in the pride of passion. In the passion of pride, I should say. In the same work, he says a little bit later, in his 200, this work is called the 226 texts. It's also known as... Um, on those who who believe that by works they can attain righteousness or by works they are saved uh, even though knowledge is true it is still not firmly established if, unaccom if unaccompanied by works for everything is established by being put into practice things are established when they are put into practice it's great to know that there is a jab and that there's an uppercut and that there's a hook these things are great, but you don't know anything about a jab unless you know how to deal with it and unless you know how to do, actually deliver it. You don't know anything about an uppercut until you've actually applied one and seen its effect, right? And seen how it, how it changes the game, how it, how it has weight. You don't know anything unless you deal with it, right? Same saying C.S. Lewis. <laughs> I always say, <laughs> in the words of Father Thomas Hawke, our father among the saints, C.S. Lewis. You know? uh, C.S. Lewis says, you know, 
it's not those it's not those who who give who constantly give in to a certain temptation that know anything about that sin it's those who are resisting it and fighting it those are the ones who really know it right if you the problem the problem with 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 evil in that sense is that the more i say yes to an evil the more i the more i lose the more i lose the ability to see it as evil the more it becomes not evil for me right the more it becomes acceptable the more it becomes i don't see its danger right and that's where you know i'm sure father anthony will take us next week is that you know the the more i say yes to it the more i assent the more i consent to it the more it has the ability to become second nature to me to possess me because i'm welcoming to it you know i no longer see the bully that comes to my to my house as a bully as much anymore you know i might see him more of a nuisance and then i could actually see him as part of the mobilia you know <laughs> oh. often our knowledge becomes darkened because we fail to put things into practice for when we have totally neglected to practice something a memory of it will gradually disappear our memory of it remember memory is if especially applied memory as muscle memory we don't you know you lose the ability to, to define it you lose the ability to describe it you lose the ability to to have the natural feeling towards it when it comes which is to be disgusted by it and rejecting of it for this reason scriptures scripture urges us to acquire the knowledge of god the knowledge of god himself right relation love of him love of him right knowledge of god being here being union with him so that through our works we may worship him rightly a correct worship a true relationship and not just something in my head something theoretical when we fulfill the commandments in our outward actions we receive from the lord what is appropriate but any what do we receive from the lord everything that his spirit has to offer us everything that is christ that's what we receive right but any and you know happy pentecost to all of you you know many many happy returns but any real benefit we gain depends on our inward intention before we move forward on this i want to pay, i want to i want to bring something to your attention there are lots of people who willingly or unwillingly present the gospel or proclaim the gospel in a way in which christ did all of this for you now you can be what and i'm not talking about any particular denomination i'm talking this is pervasive across all of you know christian groups you know whatever that means <laughs> you know um christ died for you so that you know you don't have to be because he was crucified for you so you don't have to be christ did this in your place so that doesn't have to happen for you Well, there's something funny, right? We say Jesus Christ fasted for us 40 days and 40 nights, right? Until he saved us from our sins. We equate the fasting that our Lord did for us, for us, with all other works that we say until he saved us from our sins, whether it be crucified for us, resurrected for us, ascended for us, all of these, you know, anything that the Lord does for our salvation is 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 part of that that's the perfect word they 
uh, plan of salvation, that economy of salvation, and we say he fasted for us, and then we say about it the exact same things we say about the resurrection and the crucifixion and being baptized for us, a theophany, being born for us, being incarnate for us. Isn't that funny? And if, well, the church then, there's something to be said here. If, if, if the church says, the church says he fasted for us, as the exact same way we say he was crucified for us, he was baptized for us, he was resurrected for us, then if he did it so it doesn't have to happen to me, then he fasted so I don't have to fast. Right? There's that, you know, uh, Christ did it. Now I could do whatever I want. Christ fasts for us so that when we fast, the relationship that he has, we ha that he has with the Father becomes ours. So that we become sons of God as he is son. When we fast in Christ, when we fast in faith in Christ, all of those things that come to God the Son incarnate become available to us. And you'll hear it in tomorrow's gospel. He takes from what is mine, the comforter takes from what is mine and makes it yours. All that is the Father's, is mine. And it's based on that, all that is mine, that I say that he takes from what is mine and gives to you. What we're talking about here is, is, is a process in which we become like Christ. Our interior disposition becomes like Christ. The way we react to anything external or, or internal becomes like Christ. It's no longer a question of you asking, hey, what would Jesus do? It's not an external question, you know, it's not a theoretical, you know, rhetoric. It's a, it, it becomes ingrained in you, it becomes, if you will, a reflex now. It becomes how you are, it becomes muscle memory, right? And that happens through training, right? I can't train my muscle with my mind. Yes, my mind guides my muscle to act, but my muscle needs to be trained in order for it to be affected. My quads need to be targeted in order for them to be affected. How does that happen? By actually getting out there and doing the squat. You know, how do I open myself up to God's love in a way where, where the attractiveness of sin is annihilated? The, the willingness to even negotiate with it is cut at its root. It's by prayer and fasting. It's by prayer and fasting. It's in that context that the Lord was tempted. It's when he was hungry that Satan approached him. And see how Christ handled provocation by Satan. If we have three minutes, I'd like to read for you a short sermon that's attributed to St. Theophan on temptation. Do we, Father, do we have three minutes? Thanks, Alba. So, he goes, the devil approaches the God-man with temptations. So who among men is free of them? 
He who goes according to the will of the evil one does not experience attacks, but is simply turned more and more towards evil, toward evil, a process like we said, right? You're turned more and more toward evil. As soon as one begins to come to himself and intends to begin a new life according to God's will, immediately the entire satanic realm enters into action. They hasten to scatter good thoughts and the intentions of the repentant person in any way they can. If they do not manage to turn him aside, they attempt to hinder his good repentance and confession. If they do not manage to do that, they contrive to sow tares amidst the fruits of repentance and disrupt his labors of cleansing the heart. If they do not succeed in suggesting evil, they attempt to distort the truth. And if they are repulsed inwardly, they attack outwardly, and so on, until the end of one's life. You, you may ask, what should we do? It is hopeless and terrifying. For a believer, there is nothing terrifying here, because near a God-fearing man, a God-fearing person, Demons only busy themselves. But they do not have any power over us. A sober person of prayer shoots arrows against them. And they stay far from him, not daring to approach. And fearing the defeat, and fearing the defeat which they have already experienced. If they succeed in something, it is due to our blundering. We slacken our attention or allow ourselves to be distracted by their phantoms and they immediately come and disrupt us more boldly. If they do not come to your senses in time, if you do not come to your senses in time, they will, they will whirl you about. But if a soul does, does come to its senses, they again recoil and spy from afar to see whether it is possible to approach again somehow. So be sober. Watch and pray, and the enemies will do nothing to you. Sobriety, watchfulness, prayer. Uh, two things are accompanied by the word prayer when the Lord issues the command for them. It says, fast and pray, and watch and pray. There is nothing more telling of today's culture than how much it wants to have us not watchful. How much it wants us to be, you know, the word in French is somnambule, uh, sleepwalkers, right? It wants us to be sleepwalkers. Because if you're not watchful, if you're not aware of what's attacking you, of what's being hurled at you, then, you know, <laughs> You're one of these, you know, you're one of these zombies that are walking around, you know, just appearing to be alive. And these arrows are being shot at you and they're thinking, but you keep walking, you know, until finally something knocks off your head or whatever movie version, you know, sometimes it's the heart, sometimes it's the head, <laughs> you know, but until the critical point is attacked, then you fall apart, you know. That's what we look so is not awake, you know. Grigoris is the, is, the, is the verb that the Lord uses to be watchful. It's where we get the word Gregory. What a wonderful name. Person who's alert, who's awake, who's watchful. And we, we don't, we don't, and what does that look like practically? You know, if I'm aware that it's hard for me to get out of bed early in the morning for prayer, you know, for Sunday morning liturgy, God willing, you know, 
pretty soon for all of us. You know, if I'm a, if I'm aware that you know things really tempt me to stay up until two or three on Saturday Saturday night with no reference to SNL over here, you know, if 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 I if I if I know this, then common sense would dictate that I get to bed early or at least get into my room early, even if I'm not sleepy. And I start preparing myself by being calm, by not having any media, you know, what is that? And, and in a certain sense, to actually contemplate what things are gonna look like in the morning so that it's easier to dig deep despite my fatigue to get up, right? To, 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 to prepare myself prayerfully that, Soon as that alarm rings, snooze is not an option. I will immediately put, stop the alarm, get out of bed. And my first goal is to be upright, you know, standing on my two feet, walking towards the washroom, you know, splashing some cold water in my face, toughen, you know, toughen up, you know, and suck it up, big boy, <laughs> and get out of there. If I don't take time to prepare myself mentally for that, then what, what, do I expect, what do I expect in the morning if I'm completely overrun by sloth and by selfishness and my desire to sleep, you know? Should I be surprised? No, preparation is essential. And part of preparation, part of watchfulness is that preparation. Watch and pray and the enemies will do nothing to you. Everything that's done to us is always our, is our doing or our undoing, if you will. In light of all of that, are you surprised that the Egyptian church puts up more than 60% of the year is fasting? Isn't that the declaration that we're in a constant fight? If we see fasting as that, as opposed to fasting as some sort of, you know, shameful idolatry, you know, where we somehow please God by our diet, it's, 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 that's, that's, that's completely, completely asinine when you think about it, right? God is not pleased by what you eat and what you don't eat, you know, but you're incapable of inviting God in more deeply unless you're able to, to stay hungry, to say no to yourself and to say yes to God, you know. I'll leave you with some final verses, you know, I'll, I'll close it up with some final verses from beginning of the second chapter of the book of uh, Jesus, son of Sarah. My child, when you come to serve the Lord, prepare yourself for temptation. Everybody knows this verse, you know, Sirach 2.1. But the rest is really beautiful. Be sincere of heart and steadfast and do not be impetuous in time of adversity. Cling to him, do not leave him, that you may prosper in your last days. Accept whatever happens to you in periods of humiliation, be patient. For in for in fire, gold is tested. For in fire, gold is tested. And the chosen in the crucible of humiliation. Trust in God and he will help you. Make your way straight and hope in him. You that fear the Lord, wait for his mercy. Do not stray lest you fall. You that fear the Lord, trust in him. And your, word, and your reward will not be lost. Thank you so much, Shibuya, for uh, for.
for leading us in this discussion and sharing with us. Does anybody in the crowd have any questions for Abuna regarding anything that we discussed today or even from last week? Please, uh, please feel free to just unmute yourselves and ask away. We'll dedicate the next few minutes to questions uh, before we wrap up. Uh, quick question, Abuna, if possible. Yes, Mina, yeah, go ahead. Well, yours. Thank you. Uh, Abuna, you spoke about um, the risks of uh, an openness um, for evil. Uh, and then you spoke about muscle memory as well. So the combination of both, oh, can that lead to the danger that Augustine, well, having that muscle memory, um, constantly being merged in with the open appetite for evil, where it eventually leads to that quote-unquote apostatic, apostatic relationship with Christ. Can you, it was it was a bit staticky for me. Can you can you repeat it again, Mina? Forgive me. The voice was a bit. No, it was a bit of static. No worries, Abuna. Just saying very quickly, openness or the open appetite for evil. So that combined with uh, the muscle memory that we condition, can that lead to an eventual apostatic relationship with God the, way, the same way that Augustine fell into? Can, can we relate this to Augustine's um, eventual turn away from God? To, to Augustine's eventual turn away from God? The same gust away from God. I'm asking. Sorry, Abuna. Forgive me. You were saying apostatic relationship? Is that what you were saying? Right. Like, quote unquote, I know, like, he, like he fell into that, uh, that constant, uh, Desire the desires for the for the things of the world when he when he was basically living a life of uh, just life of the flesh, and then he 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 turned away he turned away from the from that relationship with God. So, in terms of having um, being established in the faith, can that be an eventual um, result as well for someone? has that openness for evil compared or, and um, sort of combined with that muscle memory I'm not sure a few things you said that are, that are beyond my knowledge of things I, I'm, I'm not do we have time to say this a little bit like uh, are you talking about St. Augustine before his conversion or during his Manian time or after he became Christian? Because in the way it was asked, Mina, yeah, it was, it was almost as if God, like St. Augustine, ended up in evil. Like, or did I misunderstand you? 
Sorry, but it's still static. I can't hear some of the things you were saying. Forgive me. Okay. Oh, I'm static as well. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not an expert on Saint Augustine whatsoever, so I, I don't. I really don't know. But what, all I mean by muscle memory is that what 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 I what, what I was by muscle memory is. Am I still cutting up? By the way, or is it everything okay? Can I get a. It's it's on and yeah, off, so, yeah, but so, so we can hear you okay, for the most yeah. part. Yeah. What I meant was by muscle memory is that either way you're going, you're, it's it's a conditioning, right? The most of us have found ourselves because of the, the because because the way the world has program has programmed us or has you know has conditioned us is that we have a a predis we have a, a disposition to what is evil, the world is holy, right? And that. In either in either case, conditioning is is required. If you find yourself now conditioned to always gravitate towards what is unhealthy, then what you do then what you have to do is to is to have a lifestyle change in order to gravitate towards what is healthy. And the means by which you do that is the ascetical life. You know, it's through the ascetical life. It's through ascetical practices that. You turn into a person who, you know, and again, metaphor, just to put an analogy, if you're driving down a main road, you you want to be the person who chooses, you know, the salad bars and the whole food plant based as opposed to, <laughs> as opposed to, you know, McDonald's and the grease spoons, <laughs> you know. Right. As a as a as a morbidly obese person, I shouldn't be speaking too much. <laughs> Food analogy. <laughs> yeah, I'm so sorry I kept you all so long. Abuna, there was a question that was sent privately. I'll go ahead and read it to you. Um, it says, "When we force ourselves to pray and read the Bible, how do we not come to a point where we feel like this is just in our head? I'm basically forcing myself to pray so I can feel peace or that I'm on the right track with God." No, you're not. You're not. You're not. You're not. You're not. Or fasting arms in order to over to overcome. Sorry, we we lost you there for the last ten seconds. It was uh, it was uh, choppy. Can you can you sorry, rephrase that for I'm us? I'm so sorry. Yeah, I'm just saying you're not doing anything to feel anything. Right. We have to. We have to get away from wanting to pray to feel peace or to feel right with God or to feel a state of grace. Am I still cutting up or is it okay? No, it's good. Yeah, thanks, Doug. You know, don't do, don't, don't pray and don't go to church. Don't give your alms and don't fast in order to feel anything, right? Step away from all of that. Do all, do all of that in self-denial, right? Go to it humbly, prayerfully, and the rest is on God. What he wants to do with what you read today, that's up to him, right? But to prayerfully approach the, the, the scriptures, seeking Christ, as opposed to seeking something from him. This is what we, we, we want our Christianity to not be <laughs> Christianity. You know, I was saying this a couple of weeks ago in a sermon. There's no such thing as Christianity when you think about it, right? There's only Christ. You know, yes, it's right that we should differentiate between churchianity and Christianity. Absolutely. There's also a state, a point where we need to say there's no such thing as Christianity. There's only Christ, right? 
There's only Christ. I'm approaching the scriptures in order to, to find who in them? Christ. In order to get an encounter with who? With the one who wishes to deny them. Who is already closer to me than I am to myself? Who is already nearer to me than I am to myself? I just have to remove that which is about me, which, uh, which prevents me from seeing that reality, from fulfilling that potential. Hmm. Next question, Abuya. Um, if I have a muscle memory for evil and I keep stepping into the fight, and even if the fight lasts longer and longer every time, which shows slight progress, but the end result is always the same, how do I not feel despair and defeat and lose my will to fight? By completely giving up any sense of wanting to see progress, by being totally detached from that. I can't keep eating food. You know, as a kid, I can't keep eating food and then going up against the wall and lining up and see how much I grew. You know, yes, I, you, you know, after a few summers, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? You know those places in every house where by a certain door or a certain wall, all of the kids, you know, they, they line themselves up and they put it in the summer, summer. You don't feel yourself growing when you're growing. Organic ontological growth doesn't happen that way. It's not measurable in that way. Leave, put it in the hands of Christ. Rely on him. Put your trust in the Lord. As, as, the, as the scripture we just you know, finished with says, put your trust in him. Put your reliance on him. This is not self-help. Sorry, I, it was cutting That's out good. again, right? That's good. You're okay. Winning. Yeah. You know, you know, the joke about the guy who walks into chapters or Barnes and Nobles or wherever, you know, depending on where you are, Indigo in Canada, you know, and he says, where's the self-help section to the guy? He says, well, you can't find it yourself. <laughs> the one thing that's good about Zoom is that you can recover from bad jokes a lot easier than if you were in front of the crowd. <laughs> they let you. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's not so, it's not like I could measure, oh, you know, I'm procrastinating less. Or, uh, you know, it, it, rely on the, on the other, rely on the other. You know, it's difficult to be objective when, it, when you're the subject of what's happening. You know, it, everything is subjective to the subject. Hmm. Right? Leave the objectivity to the only which is who is God? Right? There's uh, two last questions that I got here. Uh, one of them is a quick one. I'll keep that for the, for the end. This one is after falling into sin, it can be difficult to turn back to praying that day specifically because of the shame of having fallen. How do we get over the feeling? Right, right. Okay, so in, in, this, in, this, in, the, in one of the most wonderful works written in the history of Christianity, this little booklet that's free online that everybody should be reading at least once a year, it's called The Way of the Aesthetics, right? By a, an author, a Finnish writer called, uh, named Swedish or Finnish, I can't remember, Tito Koliander. Um, he says that if, if you know, this is, this is a consensus in all the writings of the spiritual masters in the history of, of the church, is that if you, if you fall into a sin, and the first thing that comes to your mind is, oh my God, I'm never going to do that again. Or, woe is me, how, sh how ashamed I am, and all that. 
And be assured that you are definitely on the path to repeating it. Be assured that you're definitely on the path to do it again. 100%. If your first reaction to committing a sin is a resolve to never doing it again, uh, I'll never do that again. (laughs) No, no, the church doesn't teach us that. The church teaches us to always offer thanksgiving before asking for mercy. This is essential. And every office of prayer, whether it be the hours, whether it be a funeral, whether it be a baptism, whether it be the, you know, the, the, the rite of the catechumenate, whether it be in all of that, the Thanksgiving prayer is offered before we say have mercy. Before we can direct ask something for ourselves, we must seek God first. This is about God first. And only in that context, only in that light, can we properly ask mercy, which is according to His great mercy, as opposed to a mercy which is according to our definition, which, oh, please don't crush me. I'm so mad, but have pity on me. That's not, that's, why? Why is this so important? Because this is about a relationship with God, with God at the center. If this is about a relationship with God, with me at the center, then it will fail. Because God cannot be moved from the center. If I keep trying if I keep trying to make this about a relationship with God, with me at the center, that I'm doing exactly that which caused me to sin in the, in, in the first place, which is having me as a center of my existence, as opposed to having God at the center of reality, right? And only when God is at the center of all, and, 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 that, and that is the reality of, 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 my, of my paradigm, of my worldview, then, then, does everything fall into place properly? And I'm able and I'm able to put him first. Right? What causes me to sin is that I put me first. So don't give in to that shame. Giving into that shame, giving into that guilt, being, you know, drowned or pulled back or pulled down or dragged backwards by that feeling is exactly that what you want to attack because that puts you at the center as opposed to God's love, as opposed to the center. I'm important here. After what's important is that I thank him for covering me and for bringing me to this hour. For as long as there's breath in my nostrils, I will praise you. As long as I have breath, I will honor you. As long as I have breath, I will glorify you and give you thanks. That's it. And only in that context can we say, Mercy me. Have mercy on me. Right? Does that come secondary to the fact that he loves you? And not secondary to the fact that he loves you. Forgive me. It comes part and parcel. Part and parcel. But you can do nothing to lessen God's love for you. It's not an inability to see that. Because the sin. I believe the last question we got is, um, can you give the name of the book that was mentioned earlier? Where you reference Saint Mark the Ascetic? Yeah, I could actually can I put it in the chat, the link to it. Yes, it's online. There's an online version to it, but there's uh, there's better translations out there. But this is pretty decent. Really good to read as a as a as a complete. It's called On Those Who Think They Are Made Righteous by Works, 226 texts. 
and you'll find it here in PDF format online. Very worth reading, very much worth reading. One thing I wanted to say to the previous question, not the last one, but the one before that, the before, uh, is, is keep on fighting. Just keep on fighting. Even, you know, athletes, who, you know, boxers and wrestlers, they have off days. You know, there are certain days they go in with all of the best intention. Well, they fight a lot. They even go through like periods where it's just like, you know, a rut, a complete, you know, but don't don't worry about that. Keep on fighting. Keep on replacing your hope and trust in God every day. Keep on going back. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't. There's, there's some of the way of the journey. Just having an ideal in our head and setting up for ourselves, which should not be any way uh, you know, true or touch with any form of reality. That's all I want to say. Thank you so much, Abuya. Guys, any last questions before uh, before we wrap up? Sorry, I just had a quick question. I know everyone, I don't know if this is time to go or not, but uh, uh, I know. Um, uh, Abuna, you said that we should always, you know, uh, keep, uh, you know, you compared uh, this fight as to some someone like as a boxer, you know, who's always in the ring and in a boxer's I'm mind. Sorry. I'm so uh, sorry for my Can you hear me now? I can hear you now, yeah. Yeah, so I was just like, um, you know, salvation is always the, on our minds in our battle against sin. Uh, but... I don't want to say salvation seems so far sometimes, but, um, you know, in that moment, in that battle that you're in with whatever temptation, uh, is there anything else like, uh, that you should keep in your mind, uh, just to keep you pushing, uh, in that battle? So I know Father Anthony is going to cover this in, some, in much more detail next week, but for now, for where we are in the steps, in the stages of temptation, have a prophylactic approach, which is just those practices that make that image, that icon of Christ, more and more, and more clear to you every day. Right? Work on having you much more seek knock and ask more and more intensely every day the more you're in his presence the more you become you become the more your affinity with him grows the more your harmony the harmony of all your being mind body and soul uh mind body and spirit whatever tripartite or dipartite anthropology you want to go with you know the more, the more your whole being becomes attuned with him and, more, and less and less attuned with, with the rhythm of sin, with the rhythm of evil, with the rhythm of the passions, right? So focus on Christ. Focus on Christ. 
focus on the positive, the positive of being united to him and being in his presence. You know, you know I'll tell you something, Mark. You know, let's say you wrestle with, uh, with gambling. Right? I'm just choosing from the top of my head. I don't know anything about you. <laughs> you know, let's say you're wrestling with gambling, you know, and you're, and you're there at home itching you know, because, you know, it's one o'clock in the morning and you can grab an Uber and get to the casino and, 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 and you know, and scratch that itch, you know, and it's killing you. It's killing you. And it's already destroyed so much of your life and everything, right? Then, you know, somehow, I'm just, for the sake of analogy, Abuna Anthony knocks at your door and comes in. Why is it that all of a sudden you no longer have anything to do with wanting to go to the casino and the person you think the, the person you were just seconds ago is no longer the person that's so happy to see Father Anthony and so happy to be with him and to open up the Bible with him and script and why? Because that's what that's what the mystery of relationship means. That's what that's that that, that that's not what it means. That's what it is. That's that's what communion with others in Christ has as an effect on sin that's what brotherly love carries you know that's what relationship loving relationship that's where love casts out fear practically right you know and the anxiety and the worry and the 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 the, the, the you know the, the the head being bent towards something that's enslaving you disappears dissipates it's just as light, you know, casts out darkness, you know. Suddenly the real Mark appears as opposed to the Mark who is being enslaved by this because of that. And so, so how much more, how much more do we need to make the icon of Christ, the image of Christ, real in our life and the encounter with him in order to take that and, and become, uh, become who we really are? Does that make any sense to what you asked? Yes, thank you. Yeah, no, that provides yeah. a lot of perspective. And thank you so much, Abuya, for uh, for today. We took up a lot more of your time than than we had originally. I don't want to took up your time. I could spend all day with you all. No, this is great. This is great. Thank you so much, Abby. God willing, uh, we'll be finishing our series next week with Abuna Anthony Paul, who will be completing the series for us on uh, the fifth and sixth steps. The fifth one being predisposition. And then finally, number six, which is the full development of the passion. Uh, so we'll go ahead and uh, leave Abuna Anthony Paul to complete that for us next week at noon. Um, until then, uh, we're going to be sharing this recording uh, on the SoundCloud account for anybody who would want to share it with anybody who has missed out. So we can go ahead and make sure to get it out for everyone. Father Joseph, any final thoughts? No, I just, I love listening to Abuna Carlos. That's my final thought. <laughs> God keep you both. It's the other way around. Abuna Carlos, can you uh, can you give us the final blessing, please, after prayer? Would Father Joseph bless? That's well. No. Oh, no answer is an answer, isn't it? Father's bless. My brothers and my sisters, forgive me, I have sinned. Have mercy on us, O God, the Father Almighty. Most Holy Trinity, have mercy on us. We have no help in our tribulations and adversities, but you 
purity intercessions of the Most Holy Theotokos, of the announcer, the trumpeter of the resurrection, Archangel Michael, Saint Nicodemus, and Saint Joseph of Mithia, and Our Lady Mary Magdalene, hear us and we pray thankfully, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And with your spirit. Thank you, Abuya. Thank you.